Welcome back, Inebriate. This is your faithful host of some 300 plus episodes now. Um, and today we actually have two guests on. That doesn't happen very often, especially when it's not a band. We get a lot of bands, but we don't get duels on very often. And we have Vig Norris and Hugo D'Souza of the movie that just came. Yeah, just came out. Yeah, a couple days ago. Um, Mr. Limbo, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, thanks. Thanks Glad for having us. Yeah. Uh, so I get a lot of, you know, PR promotional stuff with links. And I, I checked out the trailer for the movie. And it's it was kind of like pitched as a horror movie. But I, I looked at it and I'm like, it, I just, my general thought was, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and it, it seemed really weird and interesting. It didn't seem horrific, maybe more. I don't know if thriller, but it just seems very strange. Like, would you guys classify this as real horror and, or like, how would you kind of. I was classified more, more of as a existential, like buddy comedy sort of, you know, there's some, there's some weird elements to it, but nothing. It'd be a huge stretch to call it like a straight up horror film. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not really horror at all. I was pretty surprised when, I saw the way it was being pitched too. Like, okay, that's interesting, but yeah, it's not that at all. Very dialogue based, you know, a lot of back and forth between Vig and I. Uh, yeah, it's a buddy, buddy comedy for sure. Yeah, it seems like you guys had like a real natural rapport. Did you guys know each other before the movie? Only due to a prior movie that we were in that Hugo started in called we used to know each other and I had one scene with him mm-hmm. and I literally met him that morning before we went to go shoot the scene yeah so prior There's... to that and that was in 2017 so that's the first time I met him and then once we started you know doing rehearsals and everything in 2019 prior to actually shooting that's the most time I spent with him yeah exactly that scene ended up that was one of the the, one of the most favorite, like in that film, we used to know each other. People really talked about that scene a lot. And that's, I think that's why the director, Robert J. Robert J. Putka, decided to uh, put us in a film together. Uh, it just, yeah. And this film looks, I mean, the whole trailer, I don't know if the whole film, but it looks like it takes place in the middle of the desert. It looks very un- yeah. unhospitable. <laughs> Uh, did it suck filming this movie? Because <laughs> it looked yeah. like it might suck. <laughs> oh, man. Um, where do we begin? Um, it wasn't really that bad. It was worse for me because I had um, these little shoes on inside of these very huge boots. And walking on the sand basically killed my feet. So definitely after principal photography, I definitely came away with a couple of bruised toes, really Hmm. huge blister on my one foot and that blister didn't really heal until right before we had to come back to reshoots in October. So this was between May and October. And so that was probably the worst part. It really wasn't as hot as it would seem. It was a lot more windy and we got hit with rain a couple of times more than I would have expected. Yeah. It could have been way like much worse i I was expecting to get like fully sunburned and stuff like that but uh yeah it it wasn't like that this this was such a small production uh it was like a miracle that we pulled this together with such a like skeleton crew um 
Yeah, yeah, it wasn't too bad. We moved really fast. So there wasn't, you know, we had one night shoot that was kind of hard to, it was like so cold. We couldn't really see anything because we were like in the middle of a field. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it wasn't too bad. That's so strange because, you know, like I'm watching that and be like, oh, it's got to be like miserable hot. And you're like, oh, it's so yeah. cold. You know, it's like you forget how cold. And I was really cold. Yeah. 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 yeah so, the night was terribly cold, but I, I would say that that's probably one of the one acting pieces that I regret is that because of the fact that it wasn't really that hot and it wasn't really a thing of being out of breath. But I played the character when we were walking during our talking scenes as very exasperated because I just always felt like that's how people would be in the desert. But it really wasn't like that. That's the only thing. I, I kind of regret that. Did you do any kind of uh, research about being in the desert or surviving in the desert? Because it's not really, I mean, I don't know. It, it definitely implies that it's the afterlife. Yeah. But I mean, did you guys kind of like research like what it's like getting lost in the desert or watch Survivor Man or anything like that? Yeah. <laughs> Not really, because no. we're supposed to be kind of like two idiots who don't really know what they're doing, you know. Uh, okay. We don't have a lot of, you know, we don't have much, we don't have skills, like surviving skills or anything. And the movie is not really about that. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of um, research. It was just more like rehearsing the scenes and uh, and kinda, and then like getting there and like allowing whatever is happening to happen, um, you know. Yeah, true. I, I would say the idea to think of it this way is that instead of it being the real world example of it being the desert, it's almost like waking up in a dream to a degree where real world scenarios of like you feeling hunger or fear or things like that don't really hit you in that way. You're just kind of like disoriented, like, how did I get here? But not so much, you know, in the real world sense of like you're in the middle of the desert. What do I do to get home, even though we're still really confused about that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting way of describing it. You actually made me think of, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of um, Dead Like Me. It's a, a, a show about a girl who gets killed and becomes a Grim Reaper. And part of like the Grim Reaper training is they like show you your like corpse, basically. And she makes a reference to how it's like i think she refers to it like a sunday that you drop how like you look at it and you're just like i just don't want it anymore huh. and so was how much of this story is kind of like your idea of afterlife or the writer's idea of afterlife did you kind of like uh did you get to contribute kind of your thoughts into like what that experience would be like now this 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 came from like Bobby's uh, the director's mind for sure. He was going through like an existential crisis when he wrote the film, <laughs> so this was like you know came from that. Um, um, yeah, we didn't really like you know in terms of the characters for sure. Uh, we talked about you know it's a movie about redemption, like you know coming to terms with things that you did in the past, you know. Uh, so we, I, in that sense, with my character, I did talk with, with the director a lot about what kind of things he's, he's wrestling with. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, but other than that, everything came from like Bobby's mind, for sure. Yeah, coming from Bobby, um, from my character, Craig, um, he took some bits of inspiration sort of from my life, but not 
directly related. Like the character Craig has more of an issue with his mother and some feelings that he's dealing with about that, you know, um, in, in the back of his mind. But a lot of this was actually more inspired by, I think maybe conversations that I had with him about my father and mm-hmm. the fact that it was just like dealing with my father in some ways is not really difficult, but there is just in the way my father came up in a, when a, like a really shitty childhood. And I realized this kind of after the fact that once he started telling me more stuff about his life and just the fact that um, he probably did the best that he could under the circumstances of basically being abandoned by his parents. So he did pretty much the exact opposite with me, but he didn't really know how to be nurturing in certain ways. So it was hard to really connect with him in a lot of ways. Like we were very cool, definitely um, all the way up through. Ironically, he died a week after we got done with reshoots oh, of all wow. things. Yeah, we came. I came back home. I don't know if I ever told you that, you know, but um, no, yeah, we came back. We came back home at that very next Saturday after I came back home. He had passed away that morning and uh, he had been dealing with um, being pretty much like almost paraplegic for the last year plus from 2018 going through to when we were doing the movie. So it was just one of those things of kind of dealing with that. But yeah, Bobby wrote some of that specific and, you know, trying to get me to convey some of that. But I mean, for the most part, it wasn't really me. It was just things that he thought and just good ways of the conversations that we had and trying to bring the character to life and make it a little bit more real. Cause I would always call him out if something didn't sound quite right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thought of, you know, if this is again, I haven't seen it. So if this is really purgatory limbo, I mean, it's people who aren't bad and aren't good enough to get into whatever the heaven is. Mm-hmm. And just from knowing people in real life, I feel like that would be, the most populated afterlife. Like, I feel like that would be the crowded place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's a thought. I know, a I thought. know a lot of good people that have done some stuff that are not, not good enough or not bad enough to send them to hell. Yeah. 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 No? But like, like in a gray area, kind of questionable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that the movies is about that, that kind of stuff for sure. Um, so not to give anything away, but each of your characters has, it, again, from the trailer, it seems like you have no memory. Do you have to like rediscover yeah. what that is, that the reason why you're there or what holds you? Totally. Back? I mean, I, we, we yes. can like set up the film. Like, so the film started, starts with like my, uh, I, I wake up, my character wakes up in the middle of the desert attached to a broken parachute. He wakes up, doesn't really remember his name and how, how he got there. And, uh, and he starts walking and he finds, Craig, played by Vig, and uh, he also doesn't remember how he got there. But but he uh, does have a, he does have the great line of, "Do I look like someone who would be at Burning Man?" Which yeah, made totally. Because yeah, <laughs> uh, we become kind of like investigators, trying to yeah. figure out like you know, looking at our clothes and stuff like that. Like you know, how do we got here? And we start walking and meeting other people, and um, and then slowly like we start you know like memories from our past kind of like start coming. We start having like visions about some of the some stuff that we might have done when we were alive, and yeah, and then coming to terms with that, trying to get out of the desert, yeah, was, you know, trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah, yeah, everything he said exactly. <laughs> did it did it cause you to reflect on your life yourself 
I mean, because I mean, we're all human. We've all done things that we're not proud of. But it, have did you like kind of start a tally sheet for yourself of like, okay, the good things I've done, the bad things I've done? Did it make you kind of reflect in that way? Hmm. Not, I wouldn't say not exactly for me. I would probably say the most significant thing that I've just learned. Period. And just you know, over the years of just finally expressing yourself and saying what's on your mind rather than just keeping it always bottled up and or letting people kind of run over you. So I think it's still for as, as morbid as it turned out to be, like I said, with the fact of doing those reshoots that that week before <laughs> or right before I left to go back to California to shoot the reshoots. And I remember my father was saying to me, he was like, uh, yeah, you know, just make sure you be careful. And this, that, this and the third, and he was saying it that way. Like, I was out in the desert with strangers and it's like, right. I'm not out in the street, you know, desert <laughs> with strangers. Like I know these people, like I'm cool with them. Like they're not going to take me out in the middle of the desert to kill mm. me. Like this isn't one of those things. Like <laughs> we, we pretty much shot a whole movie and we're going back just to finish it. So it was just one of those things that he said, one of those things that just kind of like set me off. And I just kind of was like, yeah, you know what? That really pisses me off. And, and just, I told him some stuff that really just kind of get it off my chest, like nothing, too deep but i think i had pretty much had enough of that and i thought it was probably one of those life ironic things of like i said coming back right after that and you know within a week he passes away and it made me think like yeah maybe that whole reflection of just like with my character and dealing with the mother and trying to come to terms with making sure that you know he expressed themselves and things like that i think that that part of it really did carry over into real life i mean but Everything else, I, I think, to some degree, Bobby may have written sort of with me in mind and maybe kind of some of my sensibilities, but that, that would be as far as it went for me. I don't know about Hugo, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bobby and I had a lot of discussions about, like, intention versus uh, and actions. Mm-hmm. I'm more in the camp that, like, you know, having the way you act and the things that you do are, like, more meaningful. Uh, and, and Bobby was more, like, in the, you know... We, you know, just that wrestling with that thing of like having the right intention, but then some sometimes your actions don't really reflect your intention. Right, you know, yeah. like uh, wrestling with all that kind of stuff. Uh, and maybe you hurt someone, but you you didn't mean to hurt that person. You had different, you know, that kind of stuff. That was pretty much like all we talked about while yeah. shooting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting that you know, like um, you know, my father passed almost 19 years ago and it it definitely made me reevaluate my life i mentioned to you before we started recording that i had a comic book shop and it was like his passing kind of ignited that fire behind me of like oh okay like there there's a there's a deadline you know and i gotta get some shit done and so it's never a good thing but it kind of really puts life in perspective like okay make things happen and you know, you, you may miss, it may not work out, but at least you gave it a shot. And so it, right. to me, it's, it, that's like kind of the, the, the important lesson to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I think some of that, I would say like, at least for me artistically, like my father was supportive of me in a lot of ways where I primarily for the last 15, 16 years have done music i always wanted to do film first like i Mm -hmm. used to take tv production and things like that when i was in high school but then 
doing music and me rapping and doing poetry and all this stuff, um, I just try to make it go hand in hand with the acting. And then the fact that he was always supportive, but then in that same kind of way of like, you know, probably should do something else. And I think what I took out of a lot of that, even with the acting and he did like a lot of stuff that I did, but it was always kind of an indifference there. So it made yeah. me realize to stop relying or really caring about what other people think. Like, I'm not doing this for you. So if you don't like it, then maybe that's what I'll take from it. It's like, all right, screw you. I'll just, I'm going to do it anyway. Cause this is what makes me happy. Not what makes you happy. Whatever yes. you did in your life, that, that path that you went on and you felt like you were content in that way, that's not for me. So I'd rather do what I want to do, pass or fail. That's yeah. what I get out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those if you can, uh, even if you can squeak by doing what you love, it makes your life more fulfilling. You know? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. What about you, Hugo? Did you, was your, uh, were your parents, was, uh, sorry, were your parents uh, supportive of an uh, actor lifestyle? Were they actors? Like, no, there they weren't. I, yeah. no, no, no artists in my family. Um, I mean, they're very creative in their own way, but, um, yeah, there was, in the, in the beginning, they were more supportive by, you know, they were very supportive just by the fact that they didn't, they, that they didn't ask a lot of questions. They just mm -hmm. allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do. And, but now they're very proud. Uh, so I'm lucky in that way. Um, yeah, they're proud. But, you know, it's hard to, the things like your family and friends, they can't really be your audience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're not, your, you know, they're much more than that. So if you put them in that position, it's never going to work out. You're going to hurt each other because they're not, there's nothing they can say that's going to really like make you happy. They don't really know how to talk about your work. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's not a good idea. I don't think. So honestly, I don't really like ask my parents for like, Oh, what do you think of this or that? Like, I don't, I mean, if they watch it and if they, uh, they want to say something nice, I'm like, I'm, I'm happy that they decided to do that. But I don't really seek out that, their approval in that sense, you know? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. really interesting. It's like I always tell people, I'm like, you need to like give your work to someone that's not a family member that's going to be like, this is yeah. great. But yeah. it's also now that I'm like thinking about it, like even if your parents are critical of your work and, and not in a bad way just kind of like oh maybe you should try this maybe you should try that i mean i think part of a of growing up gets just a natural that like oh, they don't know what they're talking about they're old <laughs> so i don't i wonder if you'd be even able to take their criticism the same way you would take criticism from a peer or someone that like in the industry that you looked up to no you wouldn't because i've definitely had situations where my mother is not very vocal about some things like she saw, I'll say like this, like she saw Mr. Limbo. She said she liked it. Okay, <laughs> great. And she's seen other things that I've done where she hasn't said she didn't like it. Music wise for me, it's not her thing. And my father was a little bit more, um, he was a little bit more critical in trying to understand or, you know, really given the music a listen and it's and then when he would come back with some critiques it's like well i didn't make it for you so i mean i don't expect you to like it or whatever like there's nothing that you could say that would make me take that serious because it's not for you like it, you're not the demographic right. you were born in 1947 i wouldn't expect you to listen to whatever it was i made but like i said they were they had always been supportive but yeah i would never look to them for their critique like my brother's yeah, I actually looked at them for critique because, I mean, one of my my older brother definitely would tell me if he likes something or he does not like it. But um, 
yeah, never look to my parents for critique. Just, hey, here's what I did so you can see what I did. And however you feel about it is how you feel about it. But I'm not asking you what you think. Yeah. But that's, that's a better like thing. It's better to ask, like, oh, did you, did you like it or not? It's, it's like to ask for like a, a criticism, you know, like they're not musicians or they're not filmmakers. So like, we you know, it's like, and it's funny because sometimes they, um, they're overly critic because they're trying to help. They, right. and they, 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 sometimes they're, they're being kind of like, you know, Michael, they're just being a little bit like mean, but they, but they're honestly just trying to help, but they don't know how to, you know, that's not a situation they're in very often in their lives, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's like, kind of, that harkens back to your, your, um, your intention versus action, you know? Yeah, totally. They, yeah. they, they think they're trying to help. Yeah, absolutely. But they don't know, you know, it's just, but it comes across a different way, you know? Uh, and then your, your kid is kind of like, oh man, they don't, they don't like it or, you know? Yeah. 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 And the most common parental and, and Vig, you touched on this a little bit uh, advice that I really hate um, is that, well, you should have a backup plan or, you know, cause I mean, <laughs> it's already one foot in the lifeboat where opposed to if you're in the, you know, kind of a sink or swim, like this is my career that I chose and it has to work there's a real different mentality that you approach things with. Cause if you have that, like, well, I can always, you know, I, I, I have my law degree or, you know, I'm an accountant or whatever. So I don't need to make my rap career or my, you know, my bluegrass band happen mm-hmm. or whatever it happens to be. There's just, there's a different level of commitment where it's like, it's this or nothing. And, and I think, that sink or swim makes a huge difference. It does. And I also think there's just a, it's just that fine line, like I touched on before about just being happy. Like I, it's funny when people talk about like, if you could, when they do those, uh, those things like on social media and they say, would you rather be able to go back in time and do everything right? Or would you want $10 million now? Like that difference. Yeah. I never would pick to go back in time to do everything right. Because when we start talking about shit like space-time continuum and, and things like that in different timelines, me changing something in the past may change my life in a way that I wouldn't necessarily be happy with now. I don't know. And so when I used to get a lot of that pushback from my father in regard to like going to school and, you know, and doing certain things in college, and I think, okay, practically it makes sense. But let's say if I went that path and I met some young lady and then I had a kid and now I have a kid and my life takes off this whole different path to where I wouldn't have done anything that I've done now. Like not that everything's the greatest now, but I wouldn't trade that for me mm-hmm. because me doing that thing, just because it seems like this is what's practical to do. I, I deal with a lot of people that I know friends and otherwise that have done those things in their lives and they are absolutely miserable under everything else. Yeah, like I would sure. rather do what I love and not necessarily have the most money than have a good amount of money and be bored to death with my shitty life and wanting to have free time and all of those things that a lot of people don't get. And I don't think people appreciate their positions until, you know, they don't have them or they see the alternative. That's my stance. Yeah. And I think part of, part of what I love about, the creative lifestyle that I live and I feel like you, you guys are obviously both creative people is I don't, I mean, I have 
but I don't punch a time clock. I don't go to the same spot every day. My life is very weird and unusual. And I get to, you know, some days I'm hanging out at breweries and that's quote unquote work. And other days I get to, you know, tour a historic spot for a podcast. And I, I, I just, every day is a little different and I never really know where they're going to go. And I don't really know who I'm going to run into and, and just, I just get to meet the coolest people and, yeah. 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 I mean, even I mean, if you yeah. have like a, a, I'm sorry, go ahead, Hugo. No, no, I was going to say like, it's all about like, you know, the connections you make, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, if, if something, it's like, uh, I never regret anything because it's like, oh, if let's say like I, I auditioned for a big movie before Mr. Mm-hmm. Limbo and I didn't get it. You know, if I gotten it, I wouldn't have got gotten to work with Vic. So I, I don't, I don't look back like, oh, I should have gotten that film or whatever. No, it's like I, I, you know, I treasure everyone I meet along the way. So it's like I wouldn't change anything because if I change anything, I wouldn't have met that person. I wouldn't have like, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's just and, like and appreciating the, the the people you're meeting and you know. And I mean, so many of those connections just will take you in, in places you never expected. I mean, look at uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Totally. Uh, Sam Raimi's <laughs> directing some of the biggest movies around. He always drags Bruce Campbell with him. Not that Bruce uh-huh. Campbell is a, a, a sh- you know a schmuck by any stretch of the imagination, but you know he gets to almost in as far as I know every movie that Sam Raimi's done, at <laughs> least in some level. And it's like if, if you yeah. have those connections, but like between you guys, and one of you moves on, you get to bring the other guy with you. And you know, to me, the favorite part of what i get to do is kind of hold the door for the guy behind me and and you know help people because so many people help me to help mm-hmm. the people move forward totally yeah speaking of which that's that is definitely more me than anything else in this particular scenario like uh so bobby Plicka, writer director uh the way that i even met him was 12 years ago um he has a circle of friends that he used to that he went to a special program in high school with and they all formed this group called Seatown Film Factory and they used to make videos and make skits a whole bunch of stuff so within that group i ended up making friends with one of his friends Damon Smith who directed my first two music videos within that weekend while we were filming the videos is where i got introduced to Bobby hanging around Bobby, getting to know Bobby and the rest of the guys, uh, Ben Meiser, the uh, the editor of Mr. Limbo and the editor of most of Bobby's stuff. He was, he was basically director of photography on the one video. And then he was also um, in the second video that we had all filmed that one weekend back in 2010. But the point is, is that me meeting Bobby, we got to having conversations, saw some of the things that we had in common as far as what we loved about film. He started working on his first short um, mouthful that he actually got financed. I worked on crew for that. And then once he started doing some other stuff and I was working on crew for that, then when he got his first feature film, Mad, I was supposed to have a part in that, but I started my job the very same day we were supposed to shoot. Mm -hmm. So the idea that every time he's had something coming along, he always gives me the call to say, hey, we're working on something. You want to come and just hang out or work on crew or when we ended up doing the Peter party, he's like, hey, I got this idea for this skit. He sends me the script. 
other scripts come in and then just the fact that he had the role for me and we used to know each other bringing me out to vegas to shoot with hugo in that sense and then still bringing me along to do mr limbo so i am definitely a product of bobby's nepotism in that sense that yeah since we met he's brought me along on pretty much everything that he's done since and that being the case, like I said, yeah, meeting Hugo and all these people, it's like, that's the one thing that I like. And I don't know, I can't speak for Hugo, but for me, us shooting this movie was like one of the best times of my life because it's even for whatever differences that we may have with some of the people on the cast and the crew, I generally enjoy the crew overall. So I liked being around everybody. And, and since we were so small and kind of close knit, I enjoyed every bit of my time with everybody that was there. Same. Every bit of it. Same. The best time. And so this was shot in, I'm assuming, outside of Vegas. Yeah. In, the, outside in of California. Vegas. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, was, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah oh, so we were, were you filming um, something else in Vegas? Is that? Oh, that was uh, our previous film. We used to know each other. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We used to know each other shot in Vegas, but Mr. Limbo, we shot in and around. Barstow? Like, yeah, we were near Barstow. We were in Daggett, where is where we were staying at the Airbnb. But then we were shooting a lot of this in the Mojave Desert yeah. in California. So pretty much in those areas, not very far from Vegas, because that's Bobby's thing is that he always has this affinity for Vegas. And every time we're shooting, it's like we always got to take a trip to Vegas at some point to hang out just because. But um, yeah, just just a lot of areas there. I would say from where we were staying we usually still had to travel anywhere from like an hour to almost two hours to go to different spots. But this was all in still like Southern California, in essence. So we, we had one rest day. Did you guys go to Vegas on that rest? Yes, day? you did. Right. Yeah. 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 We shot yeah. for four days and then we had one rest day and then we shot for another four days. And yeah. they went to Vegas on the. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. funny. I'd never been to Vegas, but then in the past four years, I think I've been three times <laughs> and it's always for work. <laughs> and um, it's Is a it weird place. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of lost on me. Like, I'm not a gambler. Um, yeah, me neither. So I kind of and everyone's like, oh, you don't need to gamble if you go to Vegas. I'm like, eh, you kind of have to a little bit. <laughs> um, I did enjoy Fremont Street. Yeah, what is, you know, what that's is that? that's old Vegas. That's where all of the old um, casinos are. And it's where they kind of created and they made like, I don't want to call it a dome, but it's have you ever seen videos of people doing the the zip line? Yeah, that's Fremont. So that's where Bobby used to like to go all the time. He would want to go to Fremont to the older stuff because he didn't like being on the strip. It's not yeah. on the strip. Yeah, but the yeah, strip yeah. is all the newer stuff. Yeah. yeah, to me, that's fun because there's like, I think there's three, I think there's at least three stages with different bands playing. And it's it's crazy. They're pretty close, but you can't hear one from the other. And uh, there's this crazy light video show that's projected above, above you. It's just, it's like a cleaner Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a lot going on. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But um you know, the first two years I was out there for like a trade show that I was working for the company I work for. And you work all day at the trade show and you try to let off a little steam at night and then you crash and you do the same thing. Uh, last time was for our podcast. And that was that was fun because, yeah. you know, we worked for 45 minutes. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with you in that sense that I had never been out there outside of it being work related because I had never been to California or Vegas prior. So when I came out to do my scene for we used to know each other, first time I made it to Vegas. And then when we got done, they actually completed the film that week. And then I went to go actually visit some friends that lived in L.A. or actually Pasadena at the time. And I stayed with them and actually finally got to see L.A. for the first time. So that was all still partial pleasure. But, you know, I came out there because of work and I tried to take advantage of it. And so every time when we came out to shoot Mr. Limbo, whether we were scouting locations or any of the other shooting, I always came out early and I would leave out later than whenever we were shooting because I would spend the rest of my time actually seeing the sites and hanging out with some friends that lived out in the LA area. Yeah. I mean, that's part of that. What makes a creative job or lifestyle so much fun is, you know, I can go to Vegas, I can go to wherever and I'm still working opposed to like just punching a clock at the same, the same office building, saying the same people. Um, Do you guys have, like the quote unquote day job that you have to punch the clock for. Definitely. I, in fact, I left my job early today to make sure that I could make this. And oh, it's uh, cool. <laughs> and, and yeah. That's cool. It's important to me. Cause I mean, this is, this is my actual passion. It's like, and, yeah. and actually I work for a place that's cool enough where even my, like, I don't tell people that I do music and then I act. So it's, it's funny. I keep it, private except for my supervisors because a lot of times i may have to tell them like yeah i'm gone for a while for this this or this reason so my current supervisor actually used to work in theater and she's really excited about it so when i told her i said yeah i'm, I'm leaving early today and tomorrow because i have all these interviews and she's like oh i'm so proud of you and and all of that so it's it's cool in that sense but that's also i was going to say earlier in talking about those things about your passion where i can still work a day job if i have to to keep the lights on. But then the fact that if I still do what makes me happy outside of that, I don't feel that internal struggle as if, you know, there's just nothing for me to do that brings me that inner peace that, like Mm -hmm. I said, a lot of people don't get because I just know so many people that I used to make music with say almost 20 years ago. And then a lot of them just stopped, Yeah, you know, had kids, things like that. And they just, they have no desire to do it anymore. And they're just doing regular everyday things, which, on one hand, it's fine, but you can kind of, in some cases, you can see that deadness in their eyes where they're not quite there and they, they kind of regret giving up a lot of those things. What about you, Hugo? Do you, do you have a, 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 a day, day job? job? Uh, yeah. Not right now, but, you know, you never know. But, uh, but you know, <laughs> I'm just freelancing, like kind of like helping my friends make their make movies, uh, just whether as an actor or producer or writer um yeah just making films with my friends right now but yeah. you know you never know <laughs> it, it's so funny because it's, it's such like it's a it, you know joe average looks at, at you know whoever and, and they think oh their life must be great like i got to interview uh joey santiago and he's the guitarist of the pixies mm-hmm. and he was telling me you know the pixies had broken up and you know, they he tried some other things and this, that, and the other thing. And he had taken the um, exam to become a postal worker and was just about to accept a job when someone reached out and like, hey, can you write some music for, I can't remember the TV show, but for a TV show. And that brought him in a whole new direction. And it's like, oh wow, you know, it's that, that creative life of, you know, you always have 
you know, you're always just like a change in the wind away from like <laughs> having to take a real job. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So unpredictable. Um, what's next? Like, what do you guys, you know, where, where do you see your career going? Where do you want to go? You know, do you guys want to be cast in a Marvel movie? Do you want to stay with lower budget movies? You know, like where, where's your heart at? You know, I know Vig wants to be in a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much want to be in, I don't want to say anything because there's a lot of things locally. Um, to be specific, like I know Hugo Stan, you're still in LA, right? Hugo, I don't want I am, yeah. You got to yeah. turn right. Yeah. So I'm here, Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, there's a lot of film projects going on here locally, um, some of which pretty professional, others of which not so much. Yeah. Um, the ones that are not so much, I may still do and still have some fun with. So it's, I don't want to say that I just take anything because there are a lot of things out there that I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to do that type yeah. of thing. Just because it's just, I, it's once you start doing things just for, and I'm not even going to say for the money, because a lot of this could either be free or just for very little, but I would want to do anything that makes me feel like I'm actually, um, really being challenged as far as acting, um, you know, not playing to a certain type, that kind of thing. Cause I think a lot of people get comfortable with, especially if you do something else, like if you're into music and then you get chances to do things where you're acting, it's like, Oh, well, I'm just going to still play someone that does music. Like try something else. Like I'd rather have range and have things of quality there than anything else so yeah i would like to just work with whoever somebody's looking to work with me and they've seen my work and they want to work with me i'm pretty much okay with that as long as it's it feels right and money's not really an issue mm -hmm. and then outside of that i've been coming to terms with the idea that i'm i'm circling around being done with music only because my music for me was always going to be a finite thing like i thought i was going to be three albums and done and I just had this stunted growth over the years of just doing different projects, doing other things that took me here and there. So I never really got to say whatever I wanted to say. And once I'm done saying it, I'm, I mm -hmm. can't see me really making the music as much anymore, but I still love performing. That's the whole thing. I really don't like the process of really having to write stuff and being in the studio, but I do like being on stage. And like I said, I absolutely love, you know, I love being in front of the camera and on set more than anything. That's really what I wanted to do. Because all I did is, as a child, like I, I have two older brothers, but they're considerably older. So I came up in life as almost like an only child. So all the times that I spent playing with my action figures and, and picturing what it would be like if I was in this movie and thinking of these adventures, that's been my whole life. Not wanting to be necessarily some rapper, rock superstar. It was just like, no, yeah. I wanted to make film, period. Nice. What about you, Hugo? Um, I'm, you know, acting my friend's films. I, w I actually just acted in uh, a film in Fresno directed by the DP of Mr. Limbo, Mackenzie oh, nice. Davis. Uh, and also I'm making my own films. I just directed and wrote a short film that played Slamdance uh, in January. And I just went to New York with it. Uh, played a rooftop uh, summer series. There, uh, so yeah, making films. Uh, I mean, I'm having fun right now making short films, but eventually I'll, I'll do the jump to a feature uh, in the next two years. Yeah. With the things like YouTube and streaming platforms, is it 
much easier to get people to notice or eyes on your short films now opposed to I mean, before there was no real platform for it. They weren't going to show them on TV because they weren't long enough to advertise. They're not going to show them in a theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, going to festivals help. Yeah. Helps if you can like play s- some good ones. Uh, and you know, you can you can you can put it on Vimeo. You certainly you're certainly not going to make money out of a short film, but hopefully you can build an audience and just, you know your community might appreciate your work and. It's just, you know, just momentum building kind of, um, but yeah, it's right now it might be easier to like convince your peers to watch a 10 minute, a re- good short than like, because it's, it's just 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, if you ask them to watch like a two hour film, they might, they might, might take a while for them to like get around to it. Uh, <laughs> so that's the good thing about shorts. It's yeah. uh, it's not a, as big of a commitment, you know? Uh, so if it's good and if people enjoy it, it actually, you know, becomes like a small success within your community. Yeah. I mean, if you can make them 60 seconds, you can put them on TikTok. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I know. That's, no, that's, that's bleak. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so uh, September 2nd, it comes out. So when this is up, Mr. Limbo will be available. Uh, where can people find it? Is it going to be on stream platforms? Is it going to be on... Um... I don't oh, know God. which ones, yeah. but uh, this, it's going to be on. Um, we're not. I don't know actually yet. Uh, but it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be available on multiple VOD platforms. Yeah. Probably the, probably the That's most the one, like I, obvious. I was, was going to ask if it was on Shutter because that was the one that I was trying to think of, and I was blanking on it. Um, well, that's why know. I laughed because yeah, I knew that that question was coming, and yeah, I, <laughs> we don't know yet. Okay. We don't know yet. <laughs> well, Google it, people. Like, yeah, come on yeah. Now. Send me, a, the- send me a send me a dm <laughs> dm us where we can watch the movie <laughs> um but uh where else do you guys have your own website you know vig for your music or hugo for your shorts that you can tell our our, our listeners about i have a website it's called the hugo de susan just because i couldn't get the you know yeah. hugo de susan.com was taken <laughs> and you can find me on social media uh at at the hugo de Souza. yeah um as far as me Vigatron.com, V-I-G-A-T-R-O-N. Um, kind of ironically, like for our Zoom meeting here, why it says Vigatron 999. Vigatron 999 is where you can find me on all social media. Um, but yeah, Vigatron.com is where you can find my music. And I have um I have a link tree that basically links to you know everything that I do acting and otherwise. So I always say Google me. I joke about that. If you Google Vigatron, um Myself and a male penis enhancement. Comes up. <laughs> the, the penis enhancement comes up first, and I was there first. Yeah. It used to be a time yeah. You Google Vigatron, and that was the first thing that comes up. Now I'm the second thing that comes up, other than this male enhancement. And I was like, "You got to be shitting me!" But thank you, thank you for the fact <laughs> that I actually have the .dot com. So I wish they would have came at me and said, "Hey, man, we'll pay you all of this money to give up the .dot com," but nope, they didn't. So. Yeah. I'm the one. So yeah, Vigatron.com. Um, but like I said, usually finding that will link to everything else. So yeah, when I'm acting, I'm Vig Norris. When I'm rapping, I'm Vigatron. So just to cut out all the confusion. So when they search, they can get some rap music and some dick pills all at once. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, you can. That's great. If that's your thing. <laughs> um, so I was telling you guys we're about 303 episodes at. 
And uh, it always bothered me that we never had a accurate, not an accurate, a regular sign off. Um, so I think just before episode 300, uh, I came up with a genius idea of passing the buck. So I'm going to leave it to you guys. Um, sign us off advice, whatever, you know, quick saying, sign us off and we'll end there. We, we okay. We we're thinking big. Uh, with <laughs> with advice, you mean with advice? I mean, Advi- I don't know. I don't, advice, uh, uh, one liner doesn't. Uh, uh, dad joke. I, I don't care. Yeah, I'll, I'll say a line from the movie. Oh, uh, perfect. Everything is everything. You know, that's you know, watch the movie and uh, you. Uh, everything is everything. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.